It is October 22nd. Uh, this is Cody Conrad, C Squared Sports, coming at you again. I'm joined today with Tucker Cooper again. What's up? Tucker, we haven't talked much uh, about the game that happened Saturday, the Alabama game. Uh, I haven't got the chance to really sit down and talk <laughs> to you about the... We looked good. I mean, we looked a lot better. We looked great. I, I'm really uh, singing a different song since our last podcast. <laughs> I went from Who Cares... Nothing is relevant. This team sucks. Jeremy Pruitt, you know, forget the whole program, but I'm back on the hype trade. You know what? JP, he's putting something together. The defense is stout. Brian Maurer, half a brain and all, is a, is a damn good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, last podcast, we uh, it was we haven't recorded since pre-Georgia, and that was coming right off the Florida loss, and we had a lot of uh, – Negative. Pent-up aggression. Uh, we let out a lot of frustration about the team, about Jeremy Pruitt, about how we thought that he wasn't going to get it done and he was clearly not the guy. But, I mean, after that Alabama game, I think that he became a Tennessee volunteer in Tuscaloosa. He did, against his old team. Of all places, I would have thought. I mean, Pruitt came in there and whipped it out in his old home. Like, I compared it on Twitter. I compared it to the scene of the Grinch where the Grinch – is standing up there on his little uh, mountain in Whoville, and he's looking down at the Who's, and he hears him singing. He hears the Who's singing <laughs> after he has stolen all the presents from the Who's. That's us singing Rocky Top all the way back to Knoxville. And he finally realizes what Christmas is really about, and his heart grows three sizes. I think that's uh, what happened to Jeremy Pruitt Name? in Tuscaloosa. He realized what Christmas is. Fu- he actually realized what Christmas is about. Name a coach right now that has ever gotten more praise for losing my 22 points. Yeah, I mean... Name a coach who gets more hype, more praise than Jeremy Pruitt for losing by 22. He lost by three scores. And right now we are... Ball fans are on the edge of saying this is the greatest coach we've ever had. Like, the moral victory angle is for losers. Like, I've, I've never really been a big on the moral victory angle. But, I mean, if you lose to Georgia State... And you lose uh, to BYU to open up your season. I mean, we're losers. That's what we are. We've been four and eight. Exactly. Five and seven. Five and seven. You know, our best season in recent memory. Our best season this decade was a two nine and four season. So I mean, that's what losers do. They get moral victories and they're they're happy about them. But I think Saturday, uh, most people will agree that that was a moral victory. Going down to Tuscaloosa as thirty five point underdogs and coming out really. I mean, you had the chance to make it a one-possession game. You lost by 22. I mean, you still we still covered easily, but uh, I think the I think the future is bright. Excuse me. I think the future is bright for uh, for Tennessee football and Coach Jeremy Pruitt. Looks like he has these boys uh, ready to go. I had 25 on the spread. And let me tell you what the boys came through and they covered. That's what you like to see. You like to see covering the spread. That's what that's what losers like to see. Let's just cover the spread. Yeah, you know what they always say: good teams win, but great teams cover. Exactly. So great, great. Uh, Tennessee proved uh, proved that right. Great teams cover. Exactly. Great teams cover in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And Tim that's Jordan. What you're looking for. Tim Jordan came out there and balled out. What do you have? Ninety six yards from scrimmage. Uh, I would like to apologize to Tim Jordan, who earlier this year. I we said, we hate on Tim Jordan on this podcast a lot. Earlier this year, I said that Tim Jordan was a poor man's version of Rajon Neal, and uh, that wasn't a knock on Rajon Neal, who was a pretty average running back at best in the SEC. That was a knock on Tim Jordan, who really hasn't done anything uh, since he's been here. I mean, he's been average at best. Like, 
I think that Ray John Neal was a better running back than him when he was here. But Tim Jordan in the past few games really has gotten the bulk of the load. I mean, he's he's, he's I, outplaying Ty Chandler, who we thought could get drafted this he's year. He's outplaying Ty Chandler, who I thought could have a potential All-SEC season. He's outplaying Eric Gray. I mean, he, I don't know. I think he's a starting running back right now. Like I, I think he's the number one back right now. I think he's, I think he's a real good back. The last two games, he's gotten about 20, 20 carries each game. It does help that the offensive and, line and is will, nasty right now. Uh, that's what I was getting. That to. offensive line is pissed off. I, I was getting to that maybe he is a better running back than we've given him credit for, just because he's ran behind a really shitty offensive line, the first, his first two seasons here. So I mean. Giving him a good offensive line like we have this year, clearly the offensive line is taking a step forward, and I I think that has really helped him out. And maybe he is the best running back in the depth chart. I mean, he's proven it. He's running like an animal. This offensive line has been playing angry lately. I don't know what Jim Chaney did, or I don't know if he put him on a diet or what. But these boys are mad. They come out there every week like they're ready to rip somebody's head off. And and the one play that stands out to me that gives me the most hope for the future is that play where Tim Jordan like gets three or four yards and he gets caught up in the, the big the big pile and then both sides are trying to push and then our offensive line and then Trey Smith comes running in. And just and, manhandles and, the Alabama defensive front. And our entire offensive line pushes Alabama's defensive line past the first down marker and we get a first down. And I have never seen a Tennessee offensive line even when we had Tiny Richardson, Juwan James, and and all them, when we had that really good offensive line with Derek Dooley, I've never seen an offensive line for Tennessee do that ever to an Alabama or a team like Alabama with a defensive line that they have, with the horses that the horses that they have up front. I've never seen them dominate like that. And you, Tennessee controlled the line of scrimmage Saturday night. It gives you a lot of hope for the future. I mean it. Ever since uh, the end of the Alabama game, <clears throat> yeah, I was upset just because I felt like we were in the game. We got hosed by refs, but at the same time, it gave me a lot of hope for next year. I know I talked to one of my friends. He's a Georgia fan. He told me that one thing about Tennessee fans that he respects is that no matter how bad it is, every single year he hears Tennessee fans, I'm excited for next year. I can't wait to see what we do next year. And does that kind of suck that Tennessee fans are known for the, well, we'll get them next year? I mean, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, it also kind of showed me that, you know, a lot of people just aren't as loyal as we are to Tennessee. And I know I hate to say sound cliche, but I'm really excited for next year. I can't wait to see what all these offensive linemen do in their second year. Same, you know, offensive scheme. Let's get some camaraderie down there and maybe pick up a few big guys. You know, see what we can do, bring in some skill positions. I think next year has a lot of potential. And the only question we really have about next year is who's your quarterback? Right. Is it Bailey? Is it Maurer? Personally, my my Harrison Bailey jersey is on the way the minute I find out he's wearing number five. But if Brian Maurer can come back and play South Carolina and win out, that's tough to not start him next year. Given uh... – you're, that's assuming that he survives the season. <laughs> that's given that he can make it through, what is it, five more games? Yeah, we got... That he will not die before five more games are up. That he is not laying somewhere unconscious in a hospital bed. Brain dead. Brain dead on, on life support before the Kentucky game, or before the Vanderbilt game, the last game of the season. Uh, hopefully, 
He did switch helmets today. I read today that he did switch helmets, in fact. I did see, yeah, I did see he had more padding in his helmet in practice. He was playing in practice. Uh, he looked like a stormtrooper out there today. That helmet he was did. huge. He did. We have to protect that young man's brain at all costs. It looked like one of those helmets you give to the infants that have like a misshapen head and they have to wear a helmet the first few years. That looks like what he was wearing today at practice. They were taking no chances on him. Like he ought to get the people to sign the side of it. That's how big that thing was. <laughs> They're not taking any more chances on his brain. I mean, he's clearly our our main hope at getting to a bowl game this year. What will Brian Maurer go down as in Tennessee? As a Tennessee fan, you know, let us know after the podcast, too, if you want to send in your answers, tweet them out. But what will Brian Maurer go down to you and everyone listening? Let's just say he finishes the season, he plays South Carolina, he wins out. He wins a bowl game, he goes 8-5 and five here at Tennessee. And then Harrison Bailey comes in, takes a starting role, plays all four years, and we never see Brian Maurer play another snap. He'll, what will Brian Maurer be to you in the long run? Well, it, is he staying? Like, is he staying all he four stays. years? He stays. He's the backup. He's Harrison Bailey's backup every year. He plays garbage minutes in big-time games when we lose – or when we win. <laughs> Sorry, I'm used to say <laughs> Whenever we win, uh, you know, versus the UAB's chats or, you know, we get to a blowout, he comes in. He, you know, he does the cleanup. But other than that, you never see him play. Harrison Bay is a four-year starter. What does Brian Maurer go down as to you? He uh, would kind of be like, given he he you said that he wins out this year and gets wins the bowl game. Yeah, he wins out. He wins eight games here at Tennessee. He would kind of be like, like the savior, kind of the savior of, of a football program. Because I mean, of Pruitt or of the program, or both. Both, really. I think that. Number one, Pruitt ought to send him a letter in the mail every day after he leaves here, if that's the case, and thank him for saving his job. Because if you don't go to Brian Maurer, then... You don't have a win right now. I think your only win is Chattanooga, because I don't think you... And I mean, maybe Jarrett Guantano could have won the Mississippi State game, just because we dominated them on defense. So maybe you have two wins. Mm-hmm. No, I'm giving him too much credit. You yeah, have, you, you have, he... you beat Chattanooga with with Jarek Morantano, but you don't win. I mean, he almost found a way to blow that Mississippi State game. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't throw a forward pass. <laughs> no, so, they didn't throw a forward pass with Jarek Morantano. They didn't want him to. Let, they didn't want the ball to leave his hand unless it was a handoff. Should we just go ahead and address the big elephant in the room that we've tried to ignore the first eleven minutes of this podcast? Talking about the the, <laughs> the fumble. The are we Jer- really gonna ignore Jer- the- Gortano going rogue? Are okay, we gonna so- ignore the one thing we started this podcast for today to just really vent about how horrible of a person he is. So okay, what do you want to get into first? Do you want to get into the officiating? Do you want to get into that that play? Let's 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 finish with the big with the big hitter. Let's just finish with the fumble. Let's start with the officiating. Okay, so clearly, all right. So I'm not one to point at officials and say hey they cost us they cost us the game um i mean obviously every game is going to have missed calls or bad calls or whatever they're human and i mean in basketball season you look back at like the lsu game and the anthony jordan um is the only other game i can really think of as to like they cost us a game um or, or a chance at the game uh but the referees Saturday night in Tuscaloosa cost us a chance, a chance to, to a chance to keep that game competitive. I mean, sure, like the fumble, 
didn't help us out at all. But you go back and you, I'm just trying to think of the first, the first big missed call of the night. One of them was uh, the pass interference that they called on Tennessee in the end zone early in the game. I, I don't even think it was, I think it was 0-0 zero zero still maybe when Alabama had the ball and they called holding on Bryce Thompson yeah. on their tight end. And he was like, he was a couple, I mean, he was a good yard behind, dude, behind the tight end. And they called holding on him. And then the the next big one I can think of is the the targeting on Daniel Petuli. Oh, my gosh. that <clears throat> I forgot about that until right now. That just really pissed me off. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what was he supposed to do? And that's how they're taught. That's how I, I was uh, watching the game with the, another Georgia fan, actually. i got to quit hanging out with so many Georgia fans. I was watching the game with him, and he said, oh, well, that's targeting. He led with the crown of his helmet. He came off his feet. And I was like, okay, but obviously, where was he supposed to go? He, uh, They're taught in football to hit low at the goal line and try to turn their body to where they stop the guy falling forward from reaching the end zone because they don't want the ball to break the plane. So Daniel Batuli was doing exactly what he was coached. He was hitting low. He was trying to hit him in the back to stop him, prevent him from going into the end zone. Daniel Batuli lowers, I mean, probably six inches off the ground. And that guy just got a little bit lower than him. How is that on him at all? Honestly, the first play that we should have acknowledged was the um, targeting call on the defensive lineman for Alabama whenever he hit Brian Maurer. And they went back and said it wasn't targeting, which it wasn't targeting, but it was a dirty play. It should have been roughing the passer. Right, yeah, that was – I didn't have a problem with the no targeting call there. But it has to be roughing the passer then. Yeah, Because but it, he had already thrown the ball and he slung him down by his neck. It was clearly roughing the passer if it was It was not targeting. It I was, don't care what you call there. Something needs to be called, though. Our quarterback's it, out of the game with a brain aneurysm. It was a late hit on the quarterback. Now, given he did – it wasn't the initial hit that made him get injured it was no. when he fell back on Carvin's knee but he should have never been thrown to the ground no because he had already released the ball right so it should have still been a penalty and it should they should have taken targeting back and it should have just been the late hit on the quarterback but the Daniel Petuli uh getting back to that the Daniel Petuli hit uh I mean Jerry Judy was fighting to get into the end zone he led he initiated contact with like he led with his helmet and I mean that's that's football. That's football. I mean, that's, that's how you play the game. He was trying to get into the end zone. He led with his helmet, and he initiated the contact with Daniel Petuli, who also led with his helmet, who was trying to prevent him from getting into the end zone. And Daniel Petuli is the one that gets penalized, and Jerry Judy gets nothing. I mean, that's not that's bogus. That's not fair. That's not targeting. I mean, that's a that's just a football play. Like he wasn't a defenseless receiver. He was fighting to get into the end zone. I mean, that's not, by rule, that is not targeting because he was not a defenseless receiver. Yeah, that was a really dumb call. That really made me mad. So then you go further on to, into the game. After our first touchdown, you uh, you get penalized every time you get close to Alabama's goal line. Every time you get close to Alabama's end zone, there's some kind of phantom flag. like Flag after flag after flag. Like you had the... The holding on Tim Jordan was one. Yeah, that was in the second on, half. They called on Wanye Morris. So, it was so like that okay, that was second half, right? That was when it was twenty-one to ten. Yeah, that was the that was the Jawan package, right? Yeah. So yeah, well, Jawan comes out in Wildcat. Garantano runs out to the slot, and he rolls to the left. No, that wasn't the same play. Was this after? 
I'm, I'm trying to think of which one happened before, where the phantom whistle, or the fan, whatever the the no call whistle, where they ran out there. That was when Guarantano motioned out wide. And then the next play is when they ran to the end zone, right? And they called it back for holding. No, I think that was two separate two separate occasions. Was it? I think. Maybe I'm tripping. I'll have to rewatch the game again. I, we'll I've, go back and look. Yeah, at I've it. already rewatched the game, and I, and I cannot remember which one happened first. I think the. I think the phantom whistle happened first, and which then they, was, which was really dumb. Which was Tim Jordan. Uh, we were trying to catch him off guard, and, um, and you know JG motions out wide, and you know Alabama was not expecting Tim Jordan to be coming out there running out of the Wildcat. Like it was, it was going to catch Alabama off guard, and they come out there, and I guess they ruled today that they were making sure they had the ball spotted right after the pass interference call. Uh, which got us down to the five yard line, uh, which is which just is ridiculous, complete and utter garbage. I mean, you had thirty seconds of you know play clock to figure that out. Yeah, and you know um, exactly. They had the they had plenty of time before JG motioned out wide. And who spotted the ball? How are you going to spot the ball and then be like, wait a minute? Did yeah, I spot that and they didn't spot? move it. Yeah, and. The, I mean, that's just complete under garbage. And yeah, it would, Ryan, it would be different if they moved the ball. I, I I like what you said there. They didn't move the ball. It's not even like they blew the whistle and went out there and like moved the ball up half a yard. Yeah. Like, they mean, did nothing. They should have done that just to come And why, why did it take you three days to give us that explanation? They finally came out and said, Yeah. the referees from that game came out and said that that was the reason for the inadvertent whistle. But they gave no explanation in game. They gave no explanation after the game. That was said today uh, by the head official from the game, whatever the hell his name is. The, I mean, that was complete garbage. The, the Juwan Wildcat, where he rolls to the left, dives to the pylon, and first off, there was no... There was no... Uh, holding. There was no holding on Wanye or Tim Jordan, whoever they called it on. The announcers didn't know who they called it on because it wasn't holding on either of them. But Juwan got into the end zone because he dove. That was a touchdown because he dove and hit the pylon. And there was they didn't call the touchdown on the field. They called him short the line of game. There was never a review. And that I think that made me, if not more mad, just as mad as the, as the holding call. Because he was clearly in the end zone. I mean, that was a touchdown by Juwan Jennings, was it not? Yeah, his foot was in. And then they called holding... <clears throat> The guys announcing the game, as I was listening, I was in Florida at the time, so I didn't get to like watch the game on TV. I was watching on my phone. I was listening to him, and the guy was like, "I mean, Juwan Jennings stepped out, you know, whatever." And then he's like, "I'm not sure what this flag is on right here. I don't see anything." And then someone said, the other guy had, you know, he had said something about, <clears throat> "I think it's holding on Tim Jordan." And they go in, they look at it, and they're like, "No, he he released as soon as he, Juwan Jennings became even with him." And then they came out, and the official said, you know, holding on 64, Wanye Morris. Right. And then they went back and looked at it, and the guys, even the announcers were like, I don't see holding right there. And it was a lot of the whole entire time it felt like all the commentators were talking about how the officials were doing a poor job. And then all of a sudden someone else would come in, like the head official and wherever they're at, Birmingham, wherever they're located, it would be like, oh, no, that was a good call by the officials, just trying to cover their rear end the Yeah, whole which time. is so stupid. That's so dumb. They literally just pay a guy to come in there and cover their butt the whole time that they make bad calls. So annoying. Yeah, which is, it's it's so stupid that 
they even go to a rules analyst when they're reviewing a play because I how many times watching a game have you seen the rules analyst come on and disagree with the referee and the call that they made I mean they they're there to just make sure that they the, save that, face. that they're just there to make sure that no one gets mad or to try yeah like you said try to save face for the referees that oh yeah well you know that's actually a good call try to look like an unbiased I mean using air quotes unbiased third party when really they're just those are their buddies I mean they're friends with those guys it's just it's really absurd at this point I mean I guess there's no point now. I'm about to get mad. We'll just quit talking about officiating. No, I, well, I'm not done. You're not done. I'm not done. You got more you to had fire off. Jawan Jennings and the end zone on the pass interference with a guy, uh, Shaheem Carter, where Jawan Jennings had been abusing him all night long because Jawan was better than their than whoever they put up against him, whether it was Shaheem Carter or the other dude. I don't remember his name. Five star corner for Alabama, faceless dude, who will go on to make millions in the NFL. He was. He was abusing him all night long, and he pinned Juwan's arm in the end zone. He was draped on his back. Yeah, and he pinned his arm down. He and Juwan, other arm up. Juwan still almost caught it, and there was no flag right there in the same end zone as the phantom holding pass interference, whatever they called on Bryce Thompson. Those guys need to be tight end. Uh, those refs need to be it, fired today, yesterday, the day before the game. They need to be fired. Oh, it. I hope Greg San- Sankey, which he won't. I hope he issues some draws up some sort of investigation in the game. Exactly, just like LSU when uh, Anthony Jordan he got booted. Anthony he, Jordan he can't officially another SEC game. And actually, Cody McLemore on Twitter found uh, the head official from the game. His name is Ryan Hagan. And it turns out... Shout out to Cody McLemore. Shout out to Cody McLemore for Doing carrying the fight. Found Ryan Hagen on Twitter. Head official from the game. Found out he lives in Nashville and... He's an Alabama graduate. He's an Alabama grad. He's an Alabama fan. I mean, why is it 2019? And we can't do a background check. And we still on have... On social media. Come on. Fans of teams officiating... Graduates of schools officiating their schools' games. Their I mean, own it's ridiculous. School. You not check that if you're the SEC? Are we not better than that? Come on, that's ridiculous. And the last one officiating gave Alabama this big old spotlight too. Nine o'clock SEC game. What is that for their for their light for show? For their stupid. My dad hangs up lights on my house every year for Christmas. You think people come? You think we just do a nine o'clock showing for everyone in the whole city to come watch it? I hope it's ridiculous. Neyland, My dad could do a better job setting I, up lights. I really hope Neyland never does that. No, we don't need any of those gimmicky lights. We're not Georgia. But the play, the officiating error, whatever you want to call it, where I lost my ever-loving mind when I was watching it with my dad was the Daryl Taylor oh, God. personal foul call where he you know, hits Mac Jones as he's throwing the ball. He's he's sitting on top of Mac Jones watching the play, and when he sees it was incomplete or or whatever, I think it was an incomplete pass. It was. He overthrew him. He simply puts his hands on Mac Jones' shoulder pads, pushes himself up off of him, and steps over him, and the referee threw a flag. And Quaverius Crouch, I mean, it had to be frustrating for the players watching or playing in the game with how frustrating it was for as a fan watching it 
because Corvarius Crouch just like almost looked defeated. Like he was, he threw his arms at the ref and almost fell to the ground. Like why was there a flag there? I lost my mind when they threw that flag on Daryl Taylor. Even uh, I, I think it was Brian Greasy said, uh, like he he was the only one in the whole broadcast that said no. I mean that's not that wasn't a personal foul. I didn't see anything there. Even Tom McShay was like. It, Tom McShay did say, <clears throat> from my angle, it looked aggressive. But then he also said after watching the replay, that's not a personal foul. Which is just absurd to me that they're going to call that. Because that's just them looking for a flag to throw because Alabama can't go three and out start third quarter. That's just absurd. I mean, you come out there and Matt, it's not my fault that Mac Jones has the skinniest arms in all of college football and was in a push-up position. And whenever Darrell Taylor put a little bit of his weight on his back to stand up, his arms gave out. And he flopped on the ground. I mean... Like he was Lionel Messi or something, throwing himself around, looking like an idiot on national television, and Darrell Taylor gets flagged for it because Alabama's backup quarterback started his period. And he had to throw himself around on the ground and act like a little baby. It's ridiculous. I mean... At that point, we still we were down by eight points, and we had we were getting the ball back, down by one possession. They were gonna have to punt it pretty deep. They're at the twenty, weren't they? They were, yeah. Twenty five. They, they were. It would have been. We would have had good field position, solid field position, and we had Alabama rattled on both offense and defense to start the third quarter. We had Alabama we, on the ropes. We were about to make that a ball game on ESPN. On Saturday night, nine o'clock, uh, Alabama, an Alabama's, Al- Alabama's special tip-off, an Alabama's kickoff, an Alabama's you know homecoming, basically, and we get flagged for the weakest personal foul call I have ever seen in a football game. I mean, I've seen I've hit my sister harder than Darrell Taylor hit Matt oh, Jones. Oh yeah, I mean I've seen kids on the playground hit. Do worse than that on somebody, you know? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, that, it's absurd. It honestly just kind of pisses me off to think about all of it again. So then, that leads up. We overcome all that. We overcome all. We those. have a fourth and goal inside the one, probably inside Alabama's one yard line with Jared Guantano at quarterback, Corvarius Crouch at running back, Corvarius Crouch, Beast Pack, Jim Cheney, who had called. A flawless a per- game. A great a game. Per- he outcoached Nick Saban. Who had called a great game all night long. Oh, a big, fat, happy man. Called a run to the left with Quiverius Crouch that he would have done a backflip into the end zone. No one would have touched him. Had Quiverius Crouch met 11 Alabama defenders, had- he still would have gotten the end zone. He is huge. He played running back in high school. And Trey Smith... Opened up a hole. And Trey Smith looked pissed on that run, too. That the University of Tennessee could have driven their team bus through. And Managers and all. <laughs> Jarrett Guantano calls his own number. I don't know. It did, didn't tell anyone. Don't know if he even told the offensive line. because He did, because they still pulled. Because no one had any idea. That no one pushed from behind. Nothing. No one had any idea why... Like no one had any idea what was going on when he, when he fumbled the football. Everyone stopped. Corvarius Crouch stopped. Tim or not Tim Jordan? Austin, who was the fullback. Austin Pope. Austin Pope stopped. The only one who didn't stop was Trey Smith, who absolutely annihilated his man. 
to clear the hole, to and, clear the path for Quaverius Crouch. And Trey Smith turns around looking to see, did we score? And when he sees what happened, you can just see just the look of just, oh, my God. And then they pan over to Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, I've never seen Pruitt look like that. He, it was like the calm before the storm. And I said that uh, Jared Gorn, or uh, Jeremy Pruitt should ha- should mail uh, Brian Maurer a letter every day after he leaves campus if he gets him to eight and five this year, or even if he just gets him to a bowl game. Eric Ainge should mail Jared Guarantano since he <laughs> likes writing letters so much. Should write him a letter at least once a week when he leaves campus and thank him because Jarek Guarantano will be the most hated Vol, former Vol, other than Eric Ainge after he leaves campus. Wow. Is he the most hated Vol now, Jarek Guarantano? Uh, unless he does something. Like he, it, he, he can't. He can't. He, he can't, can't. he can't say face. He, you can't. No, he, you can't. He's dug after, himself too deep. After he made out with Butch Jones at the end of that game, Jarek Guarantano can literally take one and shove it up his rear end for all I care. He's dug himself. I'll break my foot off in him. Too deep that he will be, without a doubt, the most hated Vol. Outs- he, he he bypasses Eric Ainge for the most hated Vol, former Vol, once he leaves here. I mean, the day that he leaves campus will be a celebration, whether he transfers. Imagine if he doesn't transfer. Wherever he goes. Imagine if he stays to be a backup his fifth year, uh, fourth year. Best The best he'll do is third string. You're right. Cause fourth. I mean, you're going to have Harrison Bailey uh, or Maurer. Whoever doesn't win the job there will be the backup. And, I mean, you're going to have – he's going to have to beat out Kaysom Hill next year. He's going to have to beat out – Shroud. Shroud. I mean – He might be – he might be a scout team-wide receiver by the end of it. So, unless he changes positions, I don't see Jarek Gortano getting on the field after this season. (laughs) And he's too – he's too slow to play anywhere else. Oh, man. Except no. defensive line. Okay, here's another question. Is Jarek Garantano the worst dual-threat quarterback of all time? No, I think he's really good dual-threat. He can help you. He can help your team lose by throwing it to the wrong team. Okay. Or he can help your team lose by running backwards. Did you see where on his career, what is he, 168 yeah. yards negative? I saw where Maggie. Yeah, uh, nah, shout out to Maggie Nathan with some just like cold hard facts. Those that was too funny. That made me laugh out loud while reading it. My man is negative a hundred plus yards from scrimmage when playing quarterback for the University of Tennessee. That is absolutely atrocious. That might be the funniest ball stat I've ever heard, and we've done a lot of really stupid stuff. It, uh, it's it's the perfect stat. I it mean, it, honestly. But uh, we'll get into some questions now. Dawson wants to know. Let's uh, jump into him. Can, first. can Maurer stay in a full game? Can Maurer complete a full game before the end of the season? Well, against Georgia, he basically played a full game. I mean, he got injured. Like the last on, part of the game. On our last – on what was pretty much our last possession. I mean, he played almost a full game against Georgia. And then Mississippi State, he leaves early. Uh, after he does a little scorpion number, and then <laughs> that was pretty funny. And then obviously he got hurt against Alabama. He got his bell rung, as Jeremy Pruitt would say. All right. So uh, it appears that there's a good chance that Brian Maurer it could be made of glass. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if he needs to like add weight. I don't know if he needs what needs to happen in he, the off season. I think he needs to put on some weight. But I mean. 
he probably didn't. We need him to be more of a plexiglass, you know. He didn't Something really more bendable. Didn't really expect to be thrown to the wolves this season. I would assume. No, true freshman. Um, Was he a three star? I, I believe he's a three star from from uh, Ocala, Florida. But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that he. I think he will uh, eventually. I think. I think he's been trying to do too much. Like he's just a gamer. Like he just goes out there and he's giving it all. I think he gets juiced. Yeah. And he goes out there and he wants to do anything he can to win the game. And sometimes you need him just kind of like Marquez Callaway said after his neck injury at Mississippi State. Uh, you know, you can't be so selfish because the team needs you. So you you just got to get down and slide. Take what you can get and get down. And I think the players and fans will respect that. No one's gonna get mad at him for. For sliding after he's, you know, given everything he's got. Um, uh, this is your captain speaking, wants to know, uh, which will happen first, us landing on the moon or Tennessee winning a natty? And considering... <laughs> We've already landed on the moon, buddy. Considering... Uh, oh, goodness. Neil Armstrong <laughs> and Buzz Aldrin have landed on the moon some... 50 years ago, um, <laughs> I guess the answer is landing on the moon will happen first. So, I mean... Maybe, did he mean living on the moon? Living on the moon? Uh, I don't think Her- the moon is inhabitable. Uh, no, I, don't, I think you're right. I think, maybe let's just say living in space. Let's just give him that. What, what do you think will happen first? Humans live in space, or, or Tennessee will win a national championship. Like, not like live in space how astronauts are right now, but like a whole civilization will be in space. Okay, so it depends on whether he's asking about basketball or football. Because I think... It's true. I think... I assume he's talking about football. We'll just go to the University of Tennessee as a whole. Okay. Will, will University... Okay, we'll say University as a whole. Men's... Men's only. Football, baseball, basketball. basketball. Okay. Um... Well, then I'll say that we will win one. I agree. If I had to pick which one wins one first, I would probably say baseball. Because Tony, oh, wow. Because I believe Tony Vitello, Uh-oh. aside from being uh, an attractive man. Say no homo. No homo. Okay, there you go. All right. Is the best coach on campus right now. He is. He's very good. I, I think basketball uh, wins the national championship first. And then, obviously, you're going to have basketball. He's going to be very capable very soon of winning a national championship. And, and Jeremy Pruitt looks like he's got a football team on then, the right track. Then I think in, within the next five years, you'll you'll have a football team. In contention? Uh, in the talk. I'll say in the hunt. Okay. All right. I like that. Given five years, in the next five years, I think you'll have a football team in the hunt. Right, uh, Kobe Spencer wants to know, uh, we haven't smoked a cigar in 13 years. What cigar... Are you going to smoke next year when we whoop that ass in Neyland? Talking about Alabama, obviously. Wow. What cigar? What's this guy's name one more time? Kobe Spencer. Shout out to Kobe Spencer. We love Kobe Spencer for tweeting in questions. Also, shout out to... This is your captain speaking. We appreciate the question. Um, Personally, I don't know that much about cigars. I've never um, had the opportunity to think about smoking one as a Tennessee fan. Considering the last time we beat them, we were how old? Seven? Um, it was 2006, so we were, yeah, seven, eight years old. We were about old. seven or eight years old. So, um, I guess about when October starts, if we look pretty good, next year I'll get to searching. 
go to uh, where we where you even go? Just go to a local gas station and buy a cigar or what? Uh, you know, what's a good place to buy a cigar? Uh, it, up in the like Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburger, they have a bunch of a okay. bunch of shops you can go up there. All right, well that's what we'll do then. But, we, we let's call Kobe Spencer next year before the game. Kobe Spencer, hit us up. Get your we're cigars going, ready. We're going with you to get a cigar. You buy us one, whatever you like. I we'll, uh, we'll smoke it with you. I've never smoked a cigar either, but I'm gonna save it for the day that we beat Alabama. Not a big smoker myself, but you know if we beat Alabama, why not? And if that happens next year in England, I want a big, fat Cuban cigar that Fidel Castro <laughs> rolled up himself and shipped to Miami on a boat full of immigrants from Cuba that he shipped off. I want a big, fat Cuban cigar. You want that fat Fidel Castro cigar. That Fidel Castro <laughs> that laced, That laced cigar. And put God knows what inside of it. <laughs> I want. I'm, that's what I'm gonna smoke. That sounds like what I might smoke too, Cody. <laughs> we might hit that together, Conrad. Uh, Payson Wayne Slater wants to know: Will you be making the trip to Norman next season? Probability of an 11 a.m. kick is about 98 percent right now, so you may want to book the flight for Friday morning. Um, when do we play them? First game? Second game? It's it's in September. I have to look, but obviously I have pronounced my love for Oklahoma on Twitter, uh, and my love for Baker Mayfield. Do we have to do it? And I love Jalen Hurts. Didn't like when he was here at Alabama, but uh, once I have learned more about him um, and have really followed him and all that he's overcome overcame, and all he's come through, uh, I really like Oklahoma. But, I mean, if I'm going to Norman, I'm going to be repping the Big Orange. And I've talked about going to this. Uh, it's like a 14-hour drive. Uh, so might have to hop on a plane. Might have to hop on a plane. Might have to hop on a plane. Might, might have to hop on a plane. Fourteen hour drive. Though, you know, I do, I do love road trips. So I, I know, like good road trips get, too. You know, get on the interstate, put on some good, good music. You know, um, I don't know. I, I'd say right now the percentage of me making the trip to Norman would be about at. I'd say it's fifty fifty. Wow, that's higher than me. If we if we ball out the end of this year and we pull in a big a good class. You might you might see Big T Coop down there in Norman. I might have to go ahead and buy my Harrison Bailey jersey. That that would be a very fun road trip to to go on. Uh, if the Vols give me something at to end this year, as to say that we can uh, at least have a chance in that game, then I, yeah, there, there's a good chance that I will I will make the trip. Shout out to Payson Wayne Slater. Appreciate the question. Uh, Daddy Pruitt wants to know. Ooh, okay. Huge Vol fan in Chicago coming down for the Vanderbilt game. Where is a must stop for beers? Well, we're underage. So Not for much longer. We're underage, so we don't know. Not for much longer. But we will recommend. Cool Beans. Cool Beans is the place to go. Uh, yeah, Cool Beans from uh, what I hear. Because, again, I'm underage. Exactly. Just from what hearsay. Just from word of mouth. Hearsay. Um, cool Beans is the place to go. Uh, best game day experience. Hit up Maggie Nathan. Uh, Maggie. She, Maggie Nathan will know shout where to you Maggie. Go. Shout out to Maggie. She uh, she is like well the queen. Versed. Well versed. The queen of cool beans, bar and grill. Um, other than that, um, you know, leaderboard. I hear a lot of good things about. It's a good place to go grab a shout beer. Shout out to Fox Sports. Um, but yeah, once again, underage. That's just a. Uh, 
That is just word of mouth. Shout out to who was it again? Big Daddy Pruitt. Uh, Daddy Pruitt. Shout out to, Shout Daddy, out to Daddy Pruitt. Daddy Pruitt. Uh, so last one. We got one more after this. One more, okay. Uh, Shake and Blake uh, wants to know how many confirmed concussions does eighteen have? <laughs> Shout out to Shake and Blake. I think he right now has thirty six confirmed <laughs> concus- concussions. Um, he probably will never speak again, but I did hear he's going to be out there slinging the rock Saturday come South Carolina time. So from what I hear um, of the last two games, he only has one concussion that he got. Uh, a neck sprain? Has yeah, the, the neck injury was suffered against Mississippi State after he did his scorpion. Um, and, then and then the Alabama game was, was the concussion when he fell back on, I believe it was Jerome Carvin's knee. I think so. Um but yeah, I, 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 I also think, heard that there was a neck sprain versus Mississippi State. It wasn't actually a head, but they just wanted to make sure. So you know, that's what I hear. Um, yeah, that was from within the program. So you know, that I don't know how official that is. That's just that's just what uh, the latest word I've heard on his on his con, quote unquote concussion uh, protocol. So one more, uh, one more comes last in. one. Who's leaving me the last one of the day? Chandler Cup wants to know who would do best in an Oklahoma drill against Trey Smith, Cody or Tucker. Well, shout out to Chandler Cup. Um, always bringing the Chandler Cup. Always bringing the worst possible questions we can be asked every single week. I appreciate it. Um, He's a good friend, though. He is a good friend. He's a good friend of ours. Personally, I'm going to say that I probably stand a better chance against Trey Smith. I would agree. Due to the fact that I'm probably 70 pounds heavier than Cody. I would agree. So the odds of me being able to hold my own on Trey Smith are... I'm a speed they're guy. Not, they're not good. <laughs> I mean, they're not, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but I'm saying they're better than Cody's. Yeah, I'm a speed guy. I think uh, I think me and you could both line up in full pads and both, Hit him at the same time. both go at Trey Smith. <laughs> and he would own us. And I think he would put us in the he ground would, very quickly. He would put us in a grave. He would. It would be like Grave Digger. <laughs> I mean, it would be over. Yeah. Undertaker I, style. I don't think me and you going at him together, running balls to the wall, just full speed straight at him, full pads and everything. I think we could stab him, and he would still he would still destroy us. Yeah, I think he could give us a shank with uh, Trey Smith, both of us at the same time. I think Trey Coming Smith, from different directions, and I think that Trey Smith would You think Trey Smith easily. could take a shank and not feel it? Uh, I think he would feel it. You think it would hurt? I think it would be like... He's pretty big. I think it would be kind of like a bee sting to him. <laughs> oh my gosh. A shame. I guess it depends on where where I, you stab him that, at. That's fair. No questions for Smokey Vol this week? No, Smokey Vol... Uh, Smokey Vol, you missed the cut, man. Where were you? We're going to give it one last check. Yeah, Smokey, uh, no questions in from Smokey. No questions. You guys get on Smokey Vol's Twitter. Blow him up. Where are you at, Smokey? We miss you, bro. Get back on here. Yeah, Smokey... Uh, Smokey missed a cut this week. No questions from Smokey. Well, uh, everything? I believe so. So, Shout out to all you guys for sending your questions. We appreciate it. Um, be on the lookout for our next podcast. Keep sending us the questions. And uh, actually, Maggie, Nathan was supposed to be on tonight. She couldn't make it because she was under the weather. But next podcast, she we should have Maggie, Nathan on. Special guest, Maggie, Nathan. Let's so, go. Pretty excited to, to talk to her about for hours and hours about the sweet and sours of Tennessee. <laughs> More sour than sweet. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we can get her on. Hopefully we have something good to talk about with her. Right? Yeah, hopefully we can get talk her about on a win. post-USC uh, Junior. And uh, hopefully we can talk about our uh, first win against uh, Will Muschamp as a football program. I'm here for it. 
So same time next week. Had something to look forward to. Uh, who knows? Uh, our our recording is different times. We record when we can. Uh, we don't really have a set schedule yet. Full time student. Full time student. Full time job. Full time vault fan. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, do you have anything else? I think that's it. I think that's all I have. So uh, let's beat Peace South out. Carolina. Go balls.